Hi, guys, and welcome to the Healthified Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah McLaughlin, holistic health coach, writer, and wellness entrepreneur who has, for over 15 years, delved deeply into my passions of nutrition and health. Before we get started, this episode of Healthified is brought to you by our sister company, Gratified, a natural foods company I launched in order to make a more impactful change in the packaged food space. Our products are made with real food ingredients and blood sugar balance in mind. For a discount code off of our products, visit Gratified and use the promo code HEALTHIFIED at checkout. Today's guest is Ashley Mannell, registered dietitian, nurse practitioner, and owner of her private practice, Nourish Health and Wellness, where she offers an integrative and holistic approach to mental health care. In our conversation, we discuss how her various positions in dietetics and nursing led her to discover functional medicine, which leads the way in how she works with her patients today. The number one nutritional tool she uses to heal the gut and reduce inflammation, why she believes people have an innate ability to heal themselves, and why she views herself as more of a teacher than a practitioner the mindset shifts she encourages and why it is important to remember that healing isn't linear, why it is important to address emotional health and a journey of physical healing, and why movement and stress management are also important. Let's head to our chat. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on the Healthified podcast today. Oh, thank you for having me. It's it's so good to see you again and, and to, to be here and yes, and reconnect after just quite a crazy year. Um, so I can't wait to have this chat with you and kind of hear a little bit more about your story. Um, but for those of you listening, this is Ashley Mannell. She is a registered dietitian and nurse practitioner, as well as the founder of her practice, Nourish Health and Wellness, which is a functional medicine clinic specializing in mental health, digestive health, and weight management for women. Um, so Ashley and I met through the Richmond wellness community. Um, we share a passion for working with people in the realms of health and nutrition. And when I was health coaching full-time, my office was actually in her practice, so we got to see each other much more often. Um, so again, it's so great to reconnect and I would love to just kind of have you start out and tell our listeners a little bit more about you, your background and how you got to where you are. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's always this kind of very circuitous path to where I, um, am, you know, ended up today. I never, you know, would have imagined that I Mm -hmm. would be in healthcare, but I, um, yeah, so my first, I first became a registered dietitian um, a very long time ago and then um, worked at BCU Medical Center. I've worked as an outpatient dietitian. And my favorite part of my job there was working with the weight loss surgery program that they had and working with those patients. And um, what I ended up getting frustrated with, though, was um, I felt like my, what the patients needed who were going through bariatric weight loss surgery and having these really profound changes in their, their bodies and their ways of eating. Um, what I found was that my skills as just a dietitian were not enough. And there was such a huge psychological component to that. That was, I didn't feel like was well addressed in the, in the structure of the program. Um, and it was very much, you know, everything was very focused on like 
you know, the adequate protein intake and how they were healing and vitamins and all that, but not, there was not a lot of support around the emotional changes that were happening for them. So I started taking some counseling classes just so I could be, feel like it could be more helpful. Um, and then after a couple of years, I decided to um, actually go back to nursing school um, because I wanted I just wanted to be able to be more effective with my patients and be, be more helpful. I, I, um, and, and I didn't realize at the time that nursing was actually a great backdoor into mental health. I looked into becoming a counselor an LPC or a therapist. And I just, you know, I felt like nursing was going to give me more flexibility. So I went and became, I decided to become a nurse practitioner and, um, go into the, you know, psychiatric specialty. And, um, I finished that in 2012. So I got a nursing degree and a nurse practitioner degree. And when I started practicing as a psych and P I, um, I knew that I wanted to bring the nutrition into my mental health treatment plans. Right. So what I soon discovered was I was so traditionally trained in nutrition and I was so very traditionally trained in psych. So, you know, I came out of my program really just with the prescription pad as the, my only tool. Um, and then in, in nutrition school, what I had learned was the food guide pyramid and counting carbs. And just when I found myself finally working as a psychiatric nurse practitioner, I just could not figure out how to bridge those two worlds. And that may sound strange to people, but it was just, there was no way to really bring them together. And so I, after a year or two, a year of practicing um, in psych, I, I started just looking around for something else that could really help like bridge those two worlds. And that's when I discovered functional medicine. And functional medicine for people who, who may not be familiar with the term is just a way of, um, working with patients and helping them to find the root cause of their symptoms. So in the traditional kind of allopathic conventional medicine, we're very much trained to just treat the symptoms, right? So hence why I came out of school with the prescription pad, like, let's just write a prescription for your symptoms. But it's just a very unsatisfying, or it was for me, a very unsatisfying way to practice. And going into functional medicine, starting my training through the Institute of Functional Medicine really changed like, my approach with working with patients. And it was really what allowed me to bring nutrition in into um, my treatment plans, right? And, and really using, helping, you know, like, you know, really using nutrition as, as one of the cornerstones of um, treatment. And and so that, you know, that training took me two to three years with the Institute. Um, and that's when kind of my practice just started evolving. And once I really saw how effective it was to, um, to help people get to the root cause of their symptoms. So, you know, through testing, um, through healing the gut, through addressing hormones, I really saw people getting better and it wasn't not about the meds, right? It was not about like the prescriptions. It was so much more, you know, just, just deeper than that. It was about, you know, 
their lifestyle habits and their nutrition and how they manage their stress and Mm -hmm. their trauma and um, all of this. So now it's a completely different lens through which I see um, my patient's symptoms and, and a very different approach to treating them. Yeah, that's awesome. And, and I think what's kind of, um, great about your story is that I was talking to someone last week, just about how sometimes our career paths evolve, change, pivot. And I feel as if she put the term following the breadcrumbs, um, to kind of categorize it. And it sounds like that's exactly what you did that certain roles and positions that you had kind of inspired or motivated you to, change directions or seek additional licensure certifications, what have you, um, in order to finally allow you to kind of arrive about where you're meant to be. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It was a constant quest to be able to be like, how, how better, how much better in what other ways can I serve my patients in, in, in ways that are just more effective and meaningful for me as a practitioner and for my, for my patients. Yeah. You know, and I think a lot of your story resonates with me too, because I remember when, after I got my um, certification as a holistic health coach and I was kind of going out and seeing clients, I felt like I needed a little bit more. So I explored a traditional, um, dietetics degree. And I, it took me about five minutes in the meeting with the head of that department to be like, this is not for me. Like there's so much that is still rooted in the traditional, like you mentioned the food pyramid. And I think, unfortunately, that is how we got to where we are with a standard American diet. Um, and so when you were kind of going through your training in functional medicine, can you talk a little bit more about some of those like aha moments that you had versus your more traditional training? Yeah. So it was, you know, I guess like the first aha moment I had was, you know, they talked to us about how to prescribe an elimination diet. Mm-hmm. I've never heard of an elimination diet in my nutrition in grad schools when I went for dietetics, right? Like I, and I had been taught, you don't need to do these detoxes or don't prescribe detoxes because your body detoxes all by itself. And yeah, I just, I had to basically unlearn everything I'd learned in graduate school for nutrition. Um, But just, you know, what, like how powerful an intervention doing a 28 day elimination diet was when I, my training, the first week of training, you do the first week of, of introductory functional introduction to functional medicine. And it's just a fire hose of information that comes at you. And I was lucky because as a nurse practitioner, as a dietitian, I had all of the nutrition background. So it, it, I was not as kind of as deer in the headlights as some of the other people that had started their functional medicine training. Cause there's, um, so that was a big advantage for me. Mm-hmm. And really what they taught us is like, you know, prescribing an elimination diet is a really helpful tool to get your parent, your patient started. It helps decrease the inflammation. So it's to heal the gut. All of this was just so brand new to me. These mm-hmm. con- this idea of healing the gut. And they asked us to follow elimination diet. They said, if you're going to be prescribing elimination diets to your patients, you need to know what it's like to go through one. So I said, I said, fine. I said, that's a great idea. And I literally, you know, I was third, late thirties. I just had, I was just had my third 
child, my third daughter, a couple of years ago, I'd gone through nursing school. I was a wreck. I mean, physically, mm-hmm. I, I was just not feeling well. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize how badly I was feeling actually yeah. at that time. And then I did this elimination diet and it was, I mean, it, I've, I've never felt, but I mean, my heartburn went away, all these things that I had been struggling with for years, um, just resolved. And it was just, it was shocking to me almost. Right. And here is, I have a master's in nutrition and here I'm like shocked by the power of, of eating a clean, like low inflammation diet for 28 days. Um, so it was a very personal experience for me too. And, um, I just, yeah. And I was sold. And then when I went back, you know, when when I came back to Richmond after that one week of training and I'd been on the elimination diet and I, I was, I was, my practice was set up at a, in a way that I couldn't just spend all the time I wanted. Cause I was still doing that traditional medication management model, which is like patient after patient. And, you know, I was just always booked and I had, didn't have very much time, but I would just hand them. I said, I need you to do this. Like if you're interested in, in nutrition and how you can change your habits to feel better, follow this elimination diet for 28 days. So I gave them the Institute's elimination diet it was a PDF. It was all I had time to do. Uh-huh. When they would come back for their follow-up appointment, like four or six weeks later, I could always tell before they walked in the door when they were sitting in my waiting room, the people who had done it because they just, they looked different. Like they, their skin was clearer. They just had this energy and then they would come in and they'd be like, I followed the diet. I did it. And this is how much better I feel. And it was just like, to me, it was just, I, I still get like, I'm always still so amazed at how much better people improve. And when I just kind of start seeing that same scenario play out, that was when I just was so sold on food as medicine, right? Mm-hmm. Like I cannot, there is no combination of medications that works as well as this elimination diet. There's, I can't achieve with medications what someone can achieve just following 20 days of clean eating. Yeah. So can you talk a little bit more about what those foods are that you have to eliminate and also then the connection between kind of like mental health, digestive health, and this protocol, especially when it comes, um, considers taking the inflammation piece into consideration? Yeah. So this, this, the Institute of Functional Medicine's elimination diet is no, it's, you eliminate gluten, dairy, um, corn, soy, I hate running through this list because people are like, what can you eat? (laughs) Alcohol. Lots actually. Yeah. Beef, pork, um, added sugars, caffeine, alcohol for 28 days. Um, and those are, those are, there's research backing that those, those foods specifically tend to be the ones that people will develop sensitivities or intolerances to sensitivities and intolerances to foods are much harder to identify than food Mm -hmm. allergies because they can manifest as a lot of different symptoms and it can take, you know, you can have a reaction today to what you ate three weeks ago. And it's, you know, none of us remember what we ate yesterday, let alone. Yeah. So, and there's a real, um, you know, a real synergistic effect to taking out all of those foods together at once for 28 days. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes people say, oh, I tried going gluten-free for a couple of weeks and it didn't do anything. Well, that's not long enough, right? Two weeks is not long enough. And right. if you didn't also cut out dairy or cut out, you know, 
all the other, you know, foods that can have cross reactivity where the protein molecules look similar, where you could be having a similar reaction in your body to it. And it's not going to be as effective. So those foods are the foods that you're putting in. So again, that's what we emphasize with our patients. It's like, yes, you're taking all these out, but you're putting in a lot of very nutritious, whole, clean, organic fruits and vegetables, lean proteins, you know, gluten-free grains. So what you're taking out and putting in is together is really important. It really helps to decrease inflammation because you're not eating processed foods, right? You're not taking in all of these crazy chemicals and ingredients that our bodies don't really know what to do with. And you're helping give your liver and your gut a real break from having to detox all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And when you're decreasing the inflammation, um, in your body, like you, you just start feeling better. And we know in terms of mental health, we know that depression is, is caused by inflammation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, people who have inflammation and we can measure inflammation, right? There are inflammation markers in the blood that we can measure. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a big correlation between when those markers are elevated and people's people reporting low mood. Yeah. Um, We also think that low mood can, you know, or depression can increase in the inflammatory process or perpetuate that process in Mm. the body. So, So it's like a cycle. It is right. The brain and the gut are constantly communicating back and forth, back and forth. The brain, it's actually the brain, the gut and the immune system are constantly like, you know, they're in this, this real, you know, elegant communication, um, you know, this relationship. Yeah. There's relationship. So when there's one area is out of balance or something's going wrong, then the other two are very aware of that. And then you you have symptoms that pop up. So, um, so people feel physically better after doing the elimination diet. And a lot of times when you physically feel better, right, that starts to like, obviously improve your mood. Um, when you heal the gut, we also know very much like the composition of your microbiome. So, um, you know, the kinds of like microbes or flora that are living in your gut have a big impact on your mood and anxiety and and things like that. So when you are taking out the processed foods, the foods that you're sensitive to or intolerant to, and you're adding in all of these really good low inflammation foods with high in fiber, um, high in phytonutrients, you're really helping promote the good bacteria from thriving, right? Mm -hmm. Like we have two, we have two to five pounds of flora in our gut at any given time. There's only so much room for that. There's only so much room in there. So when you're feeding your gut bacteria junk, you're going to be producing junk bacteria. Right. So that, and then, and we can change that composition. So part of the elimination diet helps to really help to I kind of explain it to my patients is like, like we're adding just like really good compost. And so we're trying to kind of re like just re plant and re soil your gut. So that really good, positive, beneficial things can grow in there. Um, And that really does have an impact on mood and anxiety and and other things. Um, And at the same time too, we're also, you know, 
testing to see, to making sure that we're, you know, there aren't any, you know, nutrition deficiencies. We're finding a lot of people right. low in vitamin D or um, low in iron and, and other things that have a direct impact on mood and how people feel. So, so it's kind of, you know, it's a combination, but healing the gut is like, that's the first thing that we do. Even if someone walks into our office with no gut symptoms, right? Like we still are going to have them you know, do a stool test in the privacy of their own home. Yeah. But those, it's amazing, like what this testing can really tell us of the health of the gut yeah, um, and the health of the, the microbiome in general. So, you know, and again, I want to make it clear, we are not anti-medications. I want, I think people get the idea that functional and integrative medicine is anti-meds, right? So if you decide to go that path, you're giving up pharmaceuticals. That's not true at all. There's right. room for all of it, right? We just know that when we can emphasize nutrition, gut healing, improve your body's ability to detoxify, we can, you know, the meds can take a much smarter role. And, and for some people, it can mean coming off of medications, like the psychiatric medications altogether. Other people, it can mean going from 60 milligrams of Prozac a day to, to 20. And yeah. that's fine. Like that is whatever, you know, everyone who works with us has different goals in terms of their, um, medications. And we don't have an agenda. Like we really want to support and, um, people. And then we really don't ever change meds until we've, we've taken care of those foundational things, right? Like really healed the gut, identified any things in the gut that need to be treated, um, rebalanced hormones, re balance nutrition deficiencies or vitamin deficiencies and things like that. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's always something I've known about your practice is the fact that part of your message is that there can be room for both. And I think that that's such an important thing for people to hear, especially when it comes to functional medicine is that, you know, where those more traditional Western medicine practices, like can still be a part of a protocol, um, and to not let it kind of like blind you to traditional medicine at all, because it definitely has its place. Absolutely. Um, for Absolutely. Sure. Oh yeah. And, you know, and I think that your ability to test and, um, do the blood work and the stool testing like that just can be very convincing for people and motivating to kind of see like what is going on under the hood, um, to have them kind of be on board with, protocol such as yours. Do you ever find it challenging though, to kind of, um, talk to your clients or encourage your clients with this more holistic approach? Or do you find that when people come to see you, they kind of are already like gung ho, let's do this. People are coming. They're already gung ho yeah. ready to do this because they're, I mean, they're, they're tired of not, you know, we work with women who tend not to feel heard in the in the more traditional setting, but because, yeah. and I don't, again, it's because the, the, the providers out there who are in big practices who are using insurance just don't have time, right? Yeah. It's no one's fault. It's just, they, I mean, most of them don't want to be practicing that way either, but insurance dictates so much. So when we don't take insurance, so we can spend as much time as we need to. Um, so no, they're looking for, uh, people I think are seeing, you know, that, you know, if when all your, your practitioner has to offer his medications. And then after years and years, you're still just not feeling well, people are seeing that there's something, there's another way yeah. to do this. Yeah. Um, yeah. My brother is a traditional psychiatrist and he 
always talks about, you know, part of the system that you're referring to and the fact that he really only sees patients for five to 10 minutes and prescribes and then moves on to, and he probably sees 50 to 60 patients a day. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, I think what you're doing while it may kind of go against the grain of, um, the traditional methodology of psychiatry, it's, um, hopefully going to become, um, a little bit more conventional one of these days where people understand that like in order to really treat someone in these mental health issues, time is going to have to be spent with the practitioner to, you know, really understand the whole person so that you can treat the whole person. Yeah. And I think also what's important is that I think the relationship between practitioner and patient has to change a little bit more too. I think I, I see, I don't like the the practitioner patient dynamic, really, I see myself as more, I like it, the teacher student, you know, and again, being that as a a practitioner, I learn just as much from my patients. My patients teach me just as much as I teach them. But I think, you know, what has to happen too, is that patients need to be um, taught that they, that they have the answers in them on on how to heal. Right. And that's how we see our role is like, we are guides and coaches and teachers, but, but the, patient is their own healer. Mm -hmm. I think the conventional model has done such a, like has really changed the dynamic of like, Oh, the I'm going to my doctor or practitioner and they're the authority. I'm just going to do what they say. And, and we need to switch that back so that patients feel like they have agency and, and they they do know what's best for them. Like they know their bodies better than anyone. Right. Mm -hmm. And so listening teaching them to listen to their, their gut again, and, and, and taking people seriously and say, I'm just not feeling well. And, you know, when someone comes to you saying that, and then your all your, your doctor's like, well, your labs are fine. So it must be all in your head. Yeah. You know, that's terrible. So there's a lot of things that need, need to change, but part of what we really do is a lot of education and, um, with our patients because we want them to feel empowered, right. To to learn about their bodies and be curious and, and, and to learn the foods that make them feel the best and the ones that don't make them feel so good. And, um, you know, what happens if, you know, we, we cut back on your dose of Prozac a little bit and, you know, just staying and staying open and curious about, um, the process and, yeah. The healing process. And I think that's so important because even though, um, you and your practice offers a very important, um, amount of accountability for somebody, like you're not with them every day. And so they're with themselves every day. So to be able to kind of have that feeling of empowerment and that mindset, um, on getting to the root, um, why of why they need to make these changes, then, um, they're able to kind of do it in a more sustainable way. And you kind of mentioned that in the beginning, when we started talking just about your um, weight loss surgery patients and how much like the mindset and the mental and emotional um, elements were so important when undergoing these big changes. So, you know, kind of similarly with an elimination diet, like, and being on this protocol for um, a sustainable amount of time, not the elimination diet itself, but just when permanent changes need to be made, like that can be challenging in Mm. our day-to-day society. So what um, suggestions do you have for your patients in sort of navigating life alongside these changes that need to be made? 
So we, so that's such a good point. So we, we really, part of what we do really is, and this is why we have, you know, we really only take patients who are ready to make this commitment because we know that it's hard, right? Yeah. Like we totally get it. Um, not everyone is ready for this approach at the time that they come to see us for a new patient appointment. And that's okay. Totally. Okay. So we really make sure people are ready. Um, and I, you know, it's reassuring people that healing is not a linear, is not linear, right? Mm -hmm. So you may make like, you may feel great after elimination diet, right? After those 28 days. And then a couple months later, it's like, oh, like, I don't feel so good anymore. Like I've, I've gained weight again, or my, I'm having the brain fog or my sleep is affected. It's, it's normal. Um, so we, you know, we really encourage our patients to stay open and curious and, and to know that their bodies are always changing. Like, you know, things are going to have to get tweaked. Um, and that making these lifestyle changes takes time. Um, and that it's not an all or nothing, right? Like you don't just do an elimination diet and figure out which foods that you can't, shouldn't put back in and you stay on that forever on, you know, that's totally not realistic. Eventually you will put everything back in and you may start feeling bad again and that's okay. We just yeah. do another elimination diet for maybe three weeks this time. And right. um, so learning to have that compassion, that self-compassion mm. um, is really important. And, you know, I think that's why we also take it slowly. Like we, you know, people have, it's a six to month relationship. We do this as a program of care. So people understand that you're committing to a certain amount of time to doing this, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's really um, getting into the mindset that this is your project. You are your project for the next six months. Um, and, and it's, a re we address like all of the components of wellness too. So, you know, we're making sure that their sleep is good, that if they have trauma that hasn't been processed or there's there are things there's the psychological, spiritual, emotional component needs to be addressed. That they're seeing a therapist for that work, right? That's yeah. a very important. You know, a lot of times people will come to us and I, I say to them, "We can do a bang up job, like healing your gut, <laughs> getting your vitamin D levels back up, getting the inflammation down, etc." But if you don't deal with the emotional, psychological stuff that's going on, your healing can only go so far. That's such an integral part of, of wellness, right? Yeah. Um, I, so I feel like we do that well in our practice because of our psych background and our, you know, we aren't afraid to talk about that stuff and identify it and call it out and say, this is, this is really what you need. Like this is, you know, we need to focus on the emotional, spiritual, psychological piece this and the and, and managing stress right that's yeah the other huge piece so I just became certified in mind body medicine through the center for mind body medicine again um, well, that's awesome. that's, it's not on my I haven't updated my bio which is I didn't mention that but again that was because you know functional medicine taught me how to do all the physical clinical stuff mm -hmm. but then I'm realizing my patients are stressed. Like our yeah. patients are stressed. Like I needed more skills in terms of, okay, how do I help them? Like, you know, get from that fight or flight response back into, you know, rest and digest right back into that relaxation response because stress drives everything stress yeah. drives inflammation. It, it, and we are all so stressed even if, and we don't realize it. 
Right. So that over the last couple of years has been like, okay, that was where the, like, okay, this is the deficit in my training. What else? Could, how can I help bring like, how can I acquire the tools that I need, you know, and, and I know that you are a yoga, you know, sort of a yoga instructor. And I was like, I just need something to help me quickly, you know, um, yeah. and that the center for mind body medicine was amazing. And so I, that training, I just finished that and that took a couple of years, but so I offer mind body skills groups through the practice too, to help really help, you know, people move these emotions out, um, like to learn how to move the emotions through. And um, because if we're like, there's stuff that we're not dealing with, yeah, then it, it so impacts our health, right? Like, so like the body holds on to all that. And Yes. And that was actually one of my questions for you, because I know that, you know, through my research and conversations with others in this space, like, you know, especially with um, the more abstract areas of life, like relationships or job satisfaction or past trauma. And, you know, through my yoga certification, um, I came to strongly believe that even if things are subconscious, like we're holding a lot in our bodies um, and we might not be aware of it. And um, that can manifest as digestive issues or skin issues or mental health issues. So it sounds as if that is an area that you definitely address with your patients. And I would love to learn a little bit more about, um, kind of what those lifestyle factors are that you encourage, um, how exercise factors in, um, and also kind of the role in supplements and all of this too. So, um, so we use, so I'll start with supplements. So we use supplements to help really based on what the testing tells us, we are not like, you cannot like out supplement your way out of a bad diet or it's not about the supplements. Right. And that's the other thing, functional medicine. If you're walking out of a functional medicine practitioner's office with 23 different supplements, every time you visit, that's not functional medicine. That's just green pharmacy. The supplements are important, but but really what it comes down to is, is nourishing yourself with the food right now. There are certain things like magnesium that our food supply is just naturally low in because our soils are depleted and magnesium super important. So right. I do magnesium, a good omega three, um, and a good, just general multivitamin, right. With the well-absorbed forms of all the vitamins and, um, minerals. And then anything else beyond that is really what the testing tells us that you need. Um, or if there's like insomnia or if, you know, some adrenal stuff, then we can help supplement there too. As far as exercise, um, you know, so movement every day um, in some form. And I think re- <laughs> people, we were sedentary before the pandemic, but wow, like the pandemic going through this made it, 10 times worse. So right now, so much of my conversation with my patients is like, are you moving? Like, you know, how much are you moving? And I'm, I'm encouraging people to get trackers just to keep some kind of accountability um, because people just don't realize how sedentary they are. And just the, I mean, sitting is the new smoking, right? I'm sure you've heard that. And, um, and just in terms of like your mental health, if you're not getting out and moving the stress or anxiety or, or sadness out, then it just sits and it, it's, it makes things worse. So 
really depend. The exercise recommendations come based on what people's goals are. So when we're working with weight loss versus, you know, mental health, those will vary. Um, but some kind of movement every, you know, every day and people just don't realize how much they need, right? Like it's, you know, they just don't realize because our, our life and, you know, we don't have, we, we don't have to move really because everything is at the, you know, and yeah. our smartphone can bring us anything we want within 20 minutes. Yeah. And that was also, I wanted to go back to something you said, like, we don't, you mentioned like, we don't even realize that these things are, these emotions or, or things are, the stress is stuck in our body. We're not because we're so distracted because we're so, we're just numbing all the time, right? Yes. It's so easy to like with our phones, with food, with, you know, alcohol, with all these things we numb and we distract and we're so disconnected with what's happening in our bodies mm -hmm. um, and, and what's, what comes up. And I, and I get it, like it's uncomfortable and it's so much easier to just not pay attention, but um, it's, you know, that's another, it's, we have to start paying attention. Like we have to start really um, just learning to sit still. And for some people that can be really hard and yeah. I, I totally, totally get that. And so the mind body skills groups for me is a way of, of bringing that work to people in a, in a small group, a safe, small group setting, um, you know, where they're with other other people and the power of community is also amazing mm. in terms of healing. Um, you know, we're trying to bring more of that into the practice. So we're really trying to develop more group medical visits, more group education, because for people to understand that they're not going through this alone, that they're not the only ones who struggle with this is yeah. so it's so impactful. It's so powerful when you can connect and, and you feel like, you're, you're not the only one and that you're part of something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that's another really big part of the healing, healing journey is that connection. And we live in a, I mean, again, coming out of this pandemic, like yeah. we're so isolated and, um, we don't, you know, we don't, we just don't have our tribe like we used to. Right. So right. for so many different reasons. So yeah. And I have another episode on here talking about the power of community. So definitely awesome. agree with you on that. Yeah. And, and I think it's something important to point out about what you said, just about people being so distracted and unaware of what is going on in their body and to kind of connect that back to what you were saying about health, not being linear. Um, but I think that there's still a major shift there though, when people are kind of just living with how they're feeling and kind of how, like you said in your story, you didn't even understand how bad you felt until you felt good. Right. Yeah. And I, I think that is a major shift when people are like, kind of like, Oh, this is my norm versus, Oh, wait, like, um, I have more brain fog. Like there's almost that more element of being more connected to your body as well as exploring it with more curiosity rather than self judgment. And Absolutely. then, yeah talk a lot about curiosity here and just kind of being your own student and, um, you know, that, yeah, the, the path to healing and health, like there is no destination. It's like a day by day thing that you have to take and just tune in. Um, and you know, like, I think I try and start my day being like, how do I feel in my physical body? And my meditation practice has yeah. been profound in helping to kind of like 
sit with what's going on both yeah. physically and emotionally. Yeah, me too. It, I, I, I really, this past year and a half, I really just, that was what kind of anchored me yeah. <laughs> like with, to, to meditation practice and, and do a lot of, I follow a lot of Tara Brock's work on self-compassion. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's been amazing. And I think that that's what we all need because we can go through you know, like a health, we can go through a program like, or we can make these changes, but we need to, to heal from a place of compassion and understand that, you know, like my body's not always going to do what it wants. Like I'd like it to do, or I'm I'm not, you know, understanding that it's not failing. Like you're not failing if you don't, you know, I don't know if, if you're not eating the way you think you should be. And and we're just so hard on ourselves and we want yeah. to, we, we really crave, like we want rules and we want someone to tell us what to do. And if I just do this, we get very attached to, you know, to rules and to guidelines. And, and again, like it's this learning to trust our bodies instead and listen to our bodies and say, yeah. what do I need today? And maybe I need a little bit more, you know, carbs or you know whatever it is like yeah yeah trusting instead of following these rigid guidelines all the time because it's not how it works yeah and I think that's the beautiful thing about your work though it's because a lot of people don't even know how to do that or like they'd be like you know be more intuitive or listen to your body and they would look at you like dumbfounded and so I think that that is the wonderful thing about you know, coaching and education and just being able to establish a foundation and having the tools to be able to eventually do that on your own one day. Mm -hmm. Um, and that there's, should be no shame in seeking health and support. But, um, you know, I do think to your point about people needing to be ready because it is work, right. It can be very uncomfortable. Um, and so people do need to have that, you know, level of readiness in order to take that first step. And I think that there's a lot of different points of end, like different for people, there's just different points of entry for different people, you know? So for some people, it may be starting out with just working with like a, a coat or a personal trainer, right. To start feeling better physically or stronger physically. And then, then tackling the nutrition piece and then yeah. really doing a deep dive into the lab work. And so I think it's there, you really just meet people where they are. Yeah. Um, because it's, there's not one right way to start for everyone. Like everyone is just ready to, to address different things at different times. Yeah. Um, so true. Um, can you talk a little bit about like some anecdotes that come to mind of patients that you've had that have had major breakthroughs or healing stories or what kind of that looks like? Yeah, there's, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, we've had, you know, we, we've had women come in, you know, to, to work with us. And there's a, um, there's a, there's a video actually on my website and on our YouTube page that we made of, of one of our patients who, and you can see it and, and she talks about her story, but um, just coming in and, you know, with these stories about themselves, like being told, like giving, being given a, like a, a, a diagnosis of bipolar disorder 20 years ago after they, after they'd had a baby. And, you know, I think of her specifically, um, you know, and then like living with that story of I had, this is what I have and come and but just being, then being tried on all these meds that, that didn't work. And just, um, you know, she, she finally came in as a, just a last ditch effort because she felt so bad and, you know, 
we healed her gut. Like we, I mean, she had a parasite in her gut. She had mm. all these gut issues. She changed her nutrition, everything. And now she's med free, you know? I mean, wow. it was just like, it was, it's really helping people change the narrative and not mm-hmm. everyone becomes med free. Again, it doesn't, it doesn't, that's not always what the goal is for someone. Yeah. But coming in with that changing their story and saying, this is not, you know, you're not broken. You don't have to identify with your diagnosis, right? You know, your diagnosis may not even be right. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, let's again, let's be curious. Let's see what happens if we can start healing, healing, like really healing. Um, so we've, you know, we've just, yeah, I mean, we just have all the, you know, a lot of incredible stories of, of people living with ideas about what was wrong with them mm. and helping them realize, oh, that that's not the case. Like I, yeah. you know, um, yeah. and that's really powerful for us, for every, for, to see that. Um, for sure. And I think there can be that phenomenon of like that labeling phenomenon. And when someone labels or identifies you in a certain way, even like years or decades earlier, it's just almost like you're living under this umbrella of, oh, this is how I am. And so I think it's a really powerful thing that, you know, when people can come to the realization, and again, this is where the learning can take place of being like, oh no, this isn't how it's always supposed to be. And I can actually um, empower myself and be my own advocate in my health, which is always so important. Totally. Like I, this doesn't have to be your story, right? right? Or your narrative. Like you can change the narrative and and the trajectory. And it's just it's so cool when you see people kind of realize that about themselves. And so yeah, yeah. Um, so I only have a couple more questions, um, left for you today, but I will have to have you back on because I think that, you know, we could even, yeah, I could talk to you for hours. Just, I love, I can talk. Yeah. (laughs) Um, but before I go into my last question, will you tell people where they can find you? If what? So our website, um, just nourish health and wellness.com. And we are, I'm getting back on Facebook and Instagram. I just kind of stopped for about a year, but our Facebook and Instagram page, I can't even give you, you can link to it through the website. Um, And yeah, and we offer free phone consultations for anyone interested in becoming a new patient before they commit to the appointment, just again, to make sure that we're the right fit and this is the right time. And if they just want to learn more about the practice in general. Um, So websites, so a good place to start. Yeah. And I will link all of that in the show notes. Um, and definitely, I mean, you are just, um, an incredible wealth of knowledge in these things and and an amazing, um, cheerleader and, um, encourager for people to get on a better path. Um, if that is something that they need. So thank you for this work that you're putting in the world. Um, so my very last question is clearly you're, um, similar to me, a lifelong student. I mean, you'd like to continue learning and, um, you know, incorporating new ideas into your practice and your work. So I know that you just finished your mind body certification. Is there anything now though, that you're learning about that has you really excited. Oh, yes. We, um, so Courtney who works with me and I both started our training in ketamine assisted therapy. Ooh, I've heard um, about that. So there is a great, um, 
actually New York Times did a huge article this morning on the future of psychedelics and psychiatry. And so that's that's the next frontier in psychiatry, but also for the practice. So oh um, yeah, because there's a lot of, you know, we work with so many um, women who have trauma. Yeah. Um, and then just the research is, you know, in terms of what psychedelic assisted therapy. So again, this is a you know, there's a therapy component to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a therapist in Richmond who's going through the same training we are. And so we're hoping to bring that and offer that, um, you know, as, as these different psychedelics become FDA approved. So ketamine is the first and then um, MDMA will be hopefully the next one in the next couple of years. So that's a whole other conversation, but that yes, is- Yes, next episode. Next, that's, that's our <laughs> I can't wait. Our next certification. <laughs> Um, well, we'll definitely have to have you back yeah. on and Courtney too, if, um, yeah. we can chat more about that. I, I'm personally fascinated and, um, and I do, and I think we could have gone through a whole other discussion too about trauma and how all that relates to it. And I think, um, it's something that's not talked about enough, but something that's so much more common than people think. So, especially when it comes to kind of health things, um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Ashley. This has been amazing. And I know that someone listening is, has been touched and um, we'll get something out of this. So just appreciate you coming on. Thank you. And thank you for, for putting this out there and yeah. Yeah. So, and your commitment to, to health and wellness and all that. So it was so good to be here. So good to to chat with you and you too. So and hopefully we'll stay a little bit more connected as things kind of unfold into a little bit more normalcy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, you have a good rest of your day. Thanks. You too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Healthified podcast and hope you enjoyed this episode. If it resonated with you, please share it with a friend or rate and review the podcast, which helps us share the health with more people. For further learning, be sure to check out the linked resources in the show notes, and you can connect with us on Instagram at healthified and at gratified. Until next time.